Welcome, welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Tour, Tour Life. Life. And this is your boy, Celis Hamilton. And this is your girl, Dania Hamilton. And we want to start this episode off a little differently. We want to first give a public apology for the ways that we ourselves have elevated marriage over singleness and in return hurt a lot of people that we love, a lot of people that we care for, a lot of our friends, a lot of family members. And we decided to do a podcast a little different from what we normally do because we always gear our episodes toward the season of life that we're in, which is marriage. But recently the Lord has convicted us in a new way where he's just wanted us to shed light about the gift of singleness and the balance between singleness and marriage. And I think one of the first ways after we get past apologizing for the way that the church at large has made singles feel less than and feel like their season is undeserved and and unqualified, I think one of the first things that we want to dismantle and that I want to put out there and say as a bold message to myself and to the world is that God does not need you to be married to get you to where he wants you to be. He does not need you to be married to sanctify you and to make your dreams great. Um, And honestly, that God can use whatever season you're in, whether you're single or married, to accomplish his purposes and craft you into the person that he's created you to be. And that's so true, babe. And yeah, the church has really done a terrible job with making singles feel like they're second class and putting marriage on a pedestal. And that's a whole lie. Like my husband said, God can use anybody through any season that they're in, whether married or single. And I also want to go further and say that God has a specific assignment for you, even as a single, and as he does for married people. So don't think that God cannot use you, even in your time of singleness. I think one of the questions that we come to is where ultimately is God taking us in our life? Like if we want to really get a really balanced view of our purpose as Christians, as believers, as children of God, we have to ask ourselves, where does God desire to take us? And I think when we ask ourselves that question, then it also poses another question, which is what and how will he get us there? And when I think about those things, I think that we forget to highlight the many things that God used when we were single to get us to to him and to get us to a healthy state of being able to walk in the obedience and the things that he called us to do. I think one of those things that we undermine specifically for the singles is healthy community. Before me and Denya were married, before me and my wife were married, we grew so much in the fact that we had healthy people around us. And to go even further, healthy opposite friendships. I mean, you know, obviously I'm a woman and Celis is a man. It is absolutely healthy and necessary to develop both male and female friendships because you get both perspectives. Now, not saying that I don't have male friends and Celis doesn't have female friends because we're married. It's just a little easier to navigate as a single. And I feel like we both need that perspective and you can get that way better and way more as a single. Like community at large, you know, when I think about before I was married, it was my community of people that I had around me. It was my brothers. It was the people that I did life with. It was the groups that I was a part of that chiseled me and created me into a better Christian, not a better man, not a better future husband, but a better Christian, a better child of God. And I remember that 
particularly even in those circles where it was just me and the other guys that I associated with, the conversations and the ways that we were able to challenge each other to spend time with God, to read our word, like all those things catered into me ultimately becoming a person that God was able to fulfill his promises and purposes in. And it was while I was a single that I grew tremendously because of that community. And I think that that's where the enemy deceives a lot of people, a lot of single people, is that they're lonely or there's nobody to grow with, to read scripture with, to pray with, where, like we're talking about, you have community all around you, whether it's your church community, um, you know, non-church community that are believers, because I did have friends that were believers but not going to my church. Like, that was that's the people that you grow with. You know, it obviously changes when you get married. Now, my husband is a part of like he's like my one of my main communities. But don't be deceived in thinking that you're alone and you have to do this walk alone because that's not the way God created life to be. He created life to have, you know, companionship. And that's why in scripture it talked about how the Adam being alone wasn't a good thing. And so as of right now in your single season, take advantage of the people that he has given around you, your brothers and sisters who can love you and walk you through this journey of life. I think I've done a really bad job when I think back on my past. I didn't appreciate the community that I had around me because I was so busy looking for intimate community with one woman. And it was like, I would look past being able to appreciate my brothers and the people God placed around me in the church because I was so busy only thinking that value in community was in a specific romantic relationship with me and a woman. And it undermined a lot of the ability and the time that I was supposed to be receiving from people every day around me because I wasn't in that season yet. You know, when we talk about male and female relationships, there are so many opportunities for men to get a chance to grow and learn from women. And we think that because it has to be a romantic relationship where you learn from a woman, you undermine the opportunity that you have to learn from the opposite sex before marriage. Like your interactions with members of the opposite sex in a community, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and the way that me being a brother, you know, having sisters in the church that helped me see problems and things that were uh, pitfalls and, and things that the enemy had planned to, to steer me away from God. All those things worked because I was able to realize the power of those relationships around me at that time, even before getting into a romantic relationship. One of the main reasons why I believe that people, Christians, non-Christians, get married is to have some type of fulfillment and the status of, hey, I'm married, I made it. That's another deceit from the enemy because as Christians, period, single, married, or whatever, we already promised that. We already promised fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, peace, abundant love through God That's himself, so right? And it's like we don't believe that. It's right. like we don't believe that God has already given us everything we need and given us the love that we feel like we need and desperately don't have in him. Like everything that we desire was given to us in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. And when we don't believe that, it's so easy for us to look for it in so many other places. I think also historically, what's so fascinating about the church is that Jesus was a single man mm -hmm. and he didn't have any kids, which is radical because the reason we often don't want to be single and 
live a life without having any kids is because we feel like we don't have a legacy mm -hmm. and we don't have anybody to remember us because so our family line doesn't pass on. The crazy thing about Jesus is that while he was single and didn't have any kids, everybody remembers him. He's talked about throughout the test of times, throughout all of history, he left one of the greatest legacies, the greatest legacy ever. And I think he also gives us a model to follow because the early church was no longer bent on their legacy being held up in their marriage and in their kids because they knew that as a follower of Christ, they already had all the legacy that they needed. That's so good, Bay. I really want to share this one scripture that I remembered. It says in Isaiah 56, 5, I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. And so I feel like in this particular scripture, God is promising something that kids, that a husband or wife, better than what they can offer us. He's giving us a covenant. He is giving us a name. He's That's powerful. That's God so giving us a name to be remembered by and that's a covenant, real. you know? So just meditate on that. Again, that's Isaiah 56, 5. You know, the non-Christian marries out of fear that they won't be remembered. But the Christian marries because the Lord has led him to it. It's a drastic difference. And it's like the idea that I may marry someone because God is so good to me, or I may never marry someone because God is so good to me. Mm -hmm. Either way, our view and elevation of God being the ultimate good should motivate and steer the way that we view marriage and singleness so that whatever season we're in, we're completely content mm -hmm. because we know that God is the ultimate good and whatever plan he has for us is the best plan there is. Let's talk about the number one person in scripture who vouched for singleness to the T. Who was it, babe? Who am I talking about? Who are you talking about? Paul. Okay, okay. <laughs> right? You know, all in scripture, for example, 1 Corinthians 7, he was talking, he was pretty much encouraging people to not get married or if they desire to be married, that they shouldn't just because of the times that they were living in. And I feel like Paul... He wasn't trying to prohibit marriage at all because marriage is a beautiful thing as he goes on and goes on to state. But I feel like he understood that he had a gift because, so, again, gift is a singleness to pursue God with any obligation. And that's that's great. Right. Like, for example, let's go through that scripture. Right. Um, First Corinthians seven. It talks about. In verse 32, I want you to be without concerns. The unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But the married man is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The unmarried woman or virgin is concerned concerned about the things of the Lord, so that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But the married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. There's problems that come when you when you get married. There's you sign up for a whole load of um, trials and tribulations, and Paul was not sugarcoating the fact that when you get married, you are entering into a world of trouble that doesn't exist for the single person. You're entering into a world of responsibility 
a level of responsibility that doesn't exist for the single person. It's kind of like my obligations to God are there, but then also I have to make sure that I come home and and have the energy to serve you and listen to you and give you what you need and make sacrifices for you. And he was basically saying that as a single person, you don't have those same divided attentions that a married person has. Yeah, like literally when I was single, I would just come home after work and just get in my bed and read scripture all night. But now when I come home and I'm grateful for, I have to cook dinner, do laundry, you know, do all those things. And so I feel like that's what Paul was really hinting at in that scripture. So now that we have this understanding about marriage and singleness, what do we do now? Well, first what we want to do, it starts with us. We made this podcast because we recognize there is a problem that's going on with the narrative in the church. And so we want to first create a balanced view of singleness and marriage. We no longer want to exalt singleness or marriage into a place that God hasn't placed them himself. And we want to give a balanced view that God can use you no matter which of those seasons you are in. Singleness is not misery, singleness is not hell, and marriage is not ultimate, and marriage is not heaven. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, understanding the purpose for being single and married. Both of those seasons are to make you more like Jesus. It may be in a different way, a different capacity, but the ultimate goal is to be more like Jesus and to glorify him. And the hope is that you know that right now, Whoever you are, whoever you are listening, regardless of what season you're in, God is making you like him right now. And the last thing we want to say as you listen to this and as you process this, surround yourself right now with people who also understand this view of marriage and singleness. One of the worst things that I can say I did was there were periods in my life where I surrounded myself with people who thought marriage was ultimate. And that idea, that narrative around me, being around people who only wanted to be married and they didn't value the season and the place that God had them in currently, it was contagious and it was tainting my view of, of being able to appreciate and walk with God faithfully in that season. And I think it's very important to do that. One last thing, married people, and we had to learn this ourselves, Please stop trying to tell single people why they're single. You don't know. Only the Lord knows. And stop trying to get single people married. That's not your job. Mm. I'm speaking to myself. 